0: Welcome to the Time
1: Machine. Experience the cancer journey through the eyes of the traveler. to the Time Machine, excited to have you. Um, been looking forward to this, um, being the way we met, and we'll get into that in a moment, um, because the way we met was very special to me. And um, But before we do that, I'd love to start with your story, you know, from diagnosis, and uh, we can dive in right there, and would love to, to walk this journey with you.
0: Okay, very good. Um, my name's Cindy Reed, I live in Miles City. Um, I'm married and I have four children. Um, in April of 2010, I was diagnosed with acute myeloid leukemia, AML, and uh, began treatments within one week at St. Vincent's Hospital in Billings. Um, I, My type of cancer required uh, seclusion because the chemotherapy uh, depleted my immune system such that I... Needed to stay at the hospital. So I spent two months in um, a room in the Fortin ward at St. Vincent's Hospital doing several kinds of chemotherapy. I, I want to backtrack just a little bit. Um, when I was diagnosed, I had spent about three months not feeling very well. I was an active person. I ran, I coached, I worked, I had kids, and I I kept having these breathing issues, like I I, I felt like I had no energy. I'd try to go for a run with my running partner and I could go two minutes and I'd have to stop and sit down and thinking, what's wrong with me, you know? I'd go to the doctors and they'd try to give me something for sinus infections or inhalers or things like that and finally got to the point where I collapsed at my home, at my father-in-law's wake, trying to go up the stairs. And my daughter, who's a nurse, took me to the ER, and she wouldn't let them dismiss me until they did blood work and an x-ray and a few other things. And the blood work came back with um, all of the numbers that indicate some kind of leukemia. And they did a bone marrow biopsy right away and put me in the hospital and gave me a blood transfusion and pricked me up for a few days. And then the following Wednesday, that was on a Saturday, the following Wednesday, I met with the doctor and he gave me the diagnosis. And I remember the pained look in his face when he was telling me that I had leukemia. And I just looked at him and I said, oh, thank goodness I know what's wrong. What do we do now? So, while it was daunting, I remember thinking, okay, let's fix this. And that truly was my initial reaction. I think everyone else melted down, and I was going, okay, what do we do? Yeah. Let's go, you know? Yeah. So, we jumped right into the the therapy. Um, Had great care at St. Vincent's. My daughter worked there at the time as an RN in the ICU, so I had... Someone watching out for me, and she had lots of coworkers who watched out for me. I was not just Cindy in room 316, I was Lacey's mom. So, nice. wonderful care. Two months of chemotherapy. They were not getting the blood counts down to the percent they wanted to feel comfortable with a stem cell transplant. Um, so last-ditch effort, they tried a pediatric chemotherapy. And it dropped it right down to the highest level that they would allow
1: the Mm. transplant.
0: I was very fortunate to have a brother who was a 99.5% match on the DNA and all the blood markers and everything. And so then I was sent to Denver for another round of chemotherapy and then total body irradiation. The purpose of that was to kill all of my own stem cells. And then they did the the transplant, which in the past used to be physically pulling bone marrow out of a person's long bone in their leg and then injecting it back into the recipient. They since developed a sort of dialysis type of thing where they run your blood through a system and filter out all the stem cells. The donor sits there for like four hours, watches movies... They run his blood through, circulate it, gather all the stem cells. And then the transplant happens with an injection. And then I spent 100 days after that transplant uh, recovering from the, uh, all the processes involved prior to the transplant, and then what they call graft versus host disease, which is what happens when the body is introduced to a foreign object, any kind of transplant, whether it's blood organs, kidney, any anything, there's going to be a graft-versus-host disease. Um, in spite of the fact that my immune system wasn't working, it would still attack anything that's foreign. And that was my brother's stem cells. So that first 100-day period is called acute GVHD. And it was pretty rocky for about a month and a half. Um, And I ended up getting delayed, so I was there probably 120 days before I got home. So it was nearly December before I got home from Denver. Um, The last few weeks, I was able to be out of the hospital and live in a hotel room, and then people would come stay with me intermittently. My husband would come for a week, a friend, a sister, you know, a daughter, because we had a son still in high school. He was a sophomore in high school when this was going on and three girls in college and so he would drive back and forth and go to Dalton's basketball games and football games and things like that and then when he couldn't be there people would come and stay with me because I had to have someone with me all the time get me to appointments I'd have to go in every day for blood work and then three times a week and then twice a week so long long process um, I've had varying manifestations of graft-versus-host disease in the last nine, nearly ten years now. Um, It first attacked my intestines um, and I had to be on uh, supplemental feeding through a port because I couldn't eat. I was having diarrhea and vomiting issues and all kinds of things. And We got that resolved. Um, Then it moved into my eyes. I got cataracts um, I, I don't produce any tears at all so I have a regimen of about nine different eye drops that I take. Um, it's affected my skin. I have no oil in my skin anymore. Um, dry mouth. Uh, it's also, and not so much the GVHD but the radiation and the chemo have caused osteonecrosis in several of my joints. I've had a knee replacement. I have an ankle that needs to be replaced. And I'm pretty sure my hips are going next. But, and also I have some in my jaw now. But I've managed to, you know, get through that. You know, you can you can walk differently and change your at, activity level and do what you need to do. But the, the most recent and most devastating occurrence has been GVHD of the lungs. Um, so over the past... Two years, I've had pneumonia six times. Wow. Some stretches, nine days in the hospital. Uh, I've been treating this last batch for a month. I I did it at home, much to my husband's chagrin, because I did not want to be in the hospital. So I, I think the recovery is the same. It just took longer. Yes. But... So... I am nine years out from leukemia. When I did the transplant, they didn't talk about graft-versus-host disease. They were just trying to cure leukemia. And they told me if I made five years, that the likelihood of having a re- recurrence of the AML was minimal, like 0.5%. I am nine, nearly 10 years, and I've had no recurrence of leukemia.
1: That's fantastic.
0: And so probably never will. It's just the graft-versus-host disease that I have to survive now.
1: Yeah. So on to a new battle.
0: Yes, and every day I think is an experiment for not only me but all my physicians because each person's body reacts differently. You never know what system the graft-versus-host is going to attack. I've had a wonderful set of physicians taking care of me in this area. Um, in combination with the Colorado Blood Cancer Institute in Denver. But I am to the point where I'm beyond any of their expertise here. Their job was to cure leukemia or help my lungs, but they don't know about GVHD. That's not their specialty. So my next step is to go to Denver and have a consult with a pulmonologist there. And then I'm looking for referrals to... Stanford and University of California San Francisco who both have lung transplant facilities uh... because they say if we can't it's likely we cannot reverse the damage in your lungs graft versus host manifests in inflammation in whatever system it's in that's how your body gets rid of bugs you know you throw a bunch of blood there and it gets all inflamed and they kill the bugs well these are not bugs (laughs) these are me (laughs) So. So all of the tiny, tiny bronchial airways are being inflamed and then restricting my airflow so that my lung function keeps decreasing. Um, So we don't know if that can be regained. We don't know if we can stop the GVHD and maintain where I am now. We don't even know if I'm a candidate for a lung transplant, but that's the direction they're looking at right now.
1: That's a lot. It is a lot. You, with a smile on your face and the way. I'll
0: tell weight. you what, I am a tenacious, stubborn, and very faithful person. And I have a lot of people that I love very much. And I guess I'm still here because I'm supposed to be doing things for them. And that's what led us to wake up and lace Uh Rosa knees. My co-founder was a four-time cancer survivor, but the fifth time, she didn't survive. She was tougher than nails as well, and so much fun, and we got together and said, you know, this is awful. I mean, even when you have health insurance, the money that it takes to travel and get treatment, cover your bills when you're not working. You know, just to pay for hotels and lodging because when you live in a remote area like eastern Montana the minimum distance you're going to drive for treatment is 150 miles if you have to go to Rochester Denver Seattle, anywhere like that you can spend a thousand dollars in one trip so we started this organization the name came from my mantra when I was in the Hospital at St. Vincent's. I got up every morning and I took a shower and I put on my running clothes and my tennis shoes and I sat on the edge of the bed and I said, okay, what are we doing today? And then when they were done with it, I would take my IV pole when I could get unhooked from something and would walk laps around the hall. I would do a mile every day. It took a lot of laps to run a <laughs> mile on a three floor. Yes. But but it's just wake up and lay so. What do we gotta do? And so we started with this crazy idea of auctioning off people's hair. And we had this great guy, Morris Bartholomew, who's just a man beast. He's a lovely, lovely man. But he can grow hair better than a werewolf. <laughs> <laughs> and he at his last last offering of hair, he finally confessed that. He actually took prenatal vitamins as he was preparing for the auctions each time. And he had a huge family and a huge following. He was in the trucking business. And it just took off. And here we are, we started in 2011. And on March 7th, we're gonna be in our ninth ninth event. Um, And then we have art that we auction off and silent auction baskets and kids tables and dessert tables. And
1: yes, this is, and if I can interject for a moment, this is how we met. This
0: is how we met.
1: Yeah. So I, um, point of contact our company, my wife and I were in Miles city for that event and I had met buddy niece and we had, he had talked about how he was auctioning off his hair. So we came and we filmed and, and did interviews with him and promoted the event through what he was doing there, and then got to meet you. And I took my kids with, and I think, oh, Josiah must have been three at the time, Tristan six and Gideon seven. And they got that feel of Mile City and what, you know, small town community is all about, and they got to run around, and there were so many people involved in the event. I was blown away, and I was so excited to be a part of it. and was so moved by it, and did not know at the time because what really I thought was so special was how the community came together and, and how the, those that are walking that cancer journey come together and the family that comes around them. And at the time I just was unaware that I was undiagnosed with MDS with, with a blood cancer that's you know under that same umbre- umbrella as leukemia. I was unaware of it at the time and um, was diagnosed not too long after that. Um, after we had done that event. And so that's how we, we met. And my daughter was really moved by the girl, the young girl that cut yes. her hair. It was yes. a mother
0: daughter combination. Mm-hmm. That was Amy and her daughter Greta. Yeah. yeah. And then sympathy becomes empathy because you're in the journey. And it's a totally different perspective.
1: When you first started your journey, how did that shift? For you, I mean, you've already mentioned you just went right after it, but maybe could you speak on the mindset of of how that shifted from being um, in in an exclusive club that we are now card-carrying members?
0: The things that come to mind, and I ironically call them the blessings of cancer, are I was a very able-bodied person. I was athletic, I was fit, slim, I could do anything I wanted, I was strong, I coached, I worked, I had four kids, you know, I'm just going all the time, going all the time, going all the time. And it was hard to have empathy for people who didn't have that kind of energy, or had chronic illness. Not that I didn't feel badly for them, but every step along the way you're thinking, Oh my gosh, I can't imagine. I I mean, like someone with cystic fibrosis, you know, there is no good thing at the end except a lung transplant, you know. Even someone with COPD, someone with rheumatoid arthritis, all of these chronic conditions that people who don't suffer from them, they say, yeah, that's, that's too bad, that's too bad but then you experience part of it in whatever form or degree and, and you start thinking, you know, everyone has a cross to bear and they're doing the best they can and they all need help. Um, it's taught me patience. Um, it's trying to teach me that I'm not in charge, but I have to be reminded every once in a while And this last bout of pneumonia, I'm laying in the bed thinking, this is God telling me to sit down, sit down and heal. You have got to let all that go, be in the moment. I was so worried about Christmas because we were having everyone come home. I'm thinking, how am I gonna do dinner? I can't get my presents wrapped, blah, blah, blah. my children, my neighbors came over and put up my tree before they left for the winter. My children cooked a fantastic meal. My son-in-law made a roast beef. Kids made salads. They waited on me hand and foot. They got I had shopped, you know, but they got all the presents wrapped. And I just sat there and got to enjoy the moment instead of being so wrapped up in the logistics of it. And it was, So freeing. It it really was. I had a brother come up from Texas for a few days. I just dropped off my brother from Missouri who came out for a few days. They came and just did things for me and wanted to spend time with me. I I need to sit down.
1: Had you ever, in in your past before then, ever sat down and allowed people to do those type of things for you?
0: No, I'm a very independent person. I don't want to be a burden on anyone. Um, I try to be organized. I try not to be controlling, but I'm very, I'm very specific about how I like things done, you know? And I've got to let that go too. It doesn't matter which way the towels are folded. (laughs) As long as they're clean. You know, and every day it just has to be pounded into you, pounded into you. But every day there's beauty. And there's people that need your inspiration. I I just, and the generosity of our community, probably all over this state, but particularly where we live is so compelling. They've been supporting this organization for nine years. We've helped 343 people and given out over $220,000 to folks. We are a completely nonprofit, non-paid board. And we have a hair and art auction. We get money for memorials. If you need the money, we send it to you. There's no long, arduous process. You fill out an application form. I send an email to my board members. As long as you meet our criteria, here's the money.
1: We know that because we, when we were diagnosed, we uh, had a trip to Seattle, and and you know we contacted Wake Up Lace Up, and I, you know, I think we're a little bit out of your area, and you still helped us because. You know, we're really South Central, and not Eastern. And we, we I, I want but you to you know this. But you
0: were a catalyst in a very successful fundraising event in your promotion of Buddy Niece. And I just felt that it was important that you got to feel part of that love.
1: We felt it. We <laughs> felt it before we ever received a check or even knew we were d- diagnosed. And then once we were, um, the relief of those li- those things that are of Little travel and, and hotel you know, and all just, those as you're juggling things. It's not
0: things. a huge amount of money, but it's just it's just some money yeah. that you didn't have to worry about.
1: Yeah. yeah. It,
0: and if it gets worse, there's yeah. more money that you don't have to worry about. And so that was Rosa and I's goal is to alleviate the stressors of things that prevent you from focusing on healing and getting better and stressors to your family.
1: Absolutely. I can speak to that because it's been... We've had a community here with our church family, our friends, um, other communities we've been involved in throughout the years. People come out of the, the, the
0: woodwork it's, to support you. It's just... It's mind-boggling. Yeah. You're so humbled.
1: Yep. And it's an it's an interesting thing because I've always been resilient and and, you know, been able to do things and to be able to have this yeah Yeah. and to to be able to do to sit and allow people to give is such a
0: it's a gift to them it is and we're denying people when we don't do that
1: yep Yep, i agree with that and we it's humbling and it's a beautiful thing to see people come together and use their gifts and their all the different resources to to help it's uh it's a beautiful world we live in. Yes, it is, in. and it I, really I've is. never
0: once had uh, more than often. I say, I have people say, "Thank you for calling me. I've wanted to be involved, but I just didn't know how." And if you just call them, they're so happy to do it, and they feel so involved. I helped. You know, you you made a pie for our dessert table. You know, you brought a little basket, it, they participated. Yes. And we try to keep it from. F- the five dollar people to the ten thousand dollar people. Yeah. They're all the same family.
1: Yep. That when I w- And that's
0: how Miles City is. I mean, it's just that's where our community is. And we need we need to reach out to more of the communities that we help. Yeah. Um, because I've had some health issues, I haven't been able to do that. But we'd really like to expand into some of those communities for fundraising because we help in Sydney yes. and Glendive and Colstrip and Weibo and Baker and all those places and so,
1: we should talk after this yes. about that because maybe I would love to to be able to help in in ways because I, I have a heart for that and and would love to partner with you if that there's ways be we can help. Yeah. Yes, yes, it's um, you know that the community in Miles City and what we saw there was um, it was just a beautiful moment and to be there with my kids and again pre diagnosis and to be able to to see all those people coming together a fantastic event and so you have your ninth event coming up
0: correct on March 7th
1: March excuse me March 7th and um, is there anything um, you'd like to maybe mention about that
0: well we have a we have a, a grandfather granddaughter combination for our hair donors
1: oh awesome Bing
0: cherry and his um, granddaughter and I'm, I believe her name is Cora. <laughs> I can't think of it right now, but he has had a beard since he graduated from high school. He grows his hair quickly, oh my, you know. He's yeah. he's in his late sixties, but he's um, I better be careful. I think it's mid sixties. <laughs> <laughs> say mid
1: fifties. Well, this mid sixties.
0: But he's willing to go all the way yeah. to the scalp. Oh and
1: wow! And
0: then his granddaughter has long brunette locks. And they're gonna do it as a combination. And then we're hoping to have uh, uh, one of Rosa Niece's nephews come down and do it. Um, And then we will have our usual fair of, I I call it rotating art. Mm -hmm. People bring us art, you know. (laughs) We auction it off, baskets. We have a kids' table where we sell toys. We have a a ring game where you buy a little ring for 10 bucks and you win a special piece of jewelry. Um, Dessert auction just a lot of fun yeah
1: yeah it's fantastic
0: yeah we're gonna be at the Town and Country Club this year okay and I um, think our theme is gonna coordinate with the uh, summer Olympics
1: uh, I and love maybe
0: it. you know going for the gold or something like it. that so
1: I love it well <clears throat> I'm excited for that event and hopefully you know we can come be a part of that, that again because I I just had such a great time the first time um, I want to ask you this you you know, you mentioned sit down and sometimes you know you need to rest what are some of the things because i'm inspired by you nine years you know on this journey for someone that's oh shoot i think it was last august so i'm pretty we're veterans as far as infusions and those right. things go we've had you know 119 i'll be at my fourth you know, bone marrow biopsy here soon, yep. and so a I veteran knows. Probably
0: look like Swiss cheese. Yeah, I think I had nine before I was done.
1: Oh wow. <laughs> yes, those are interesting. <laughs> yes. <Yeah>. Um, <laughs> yes, we might have talked about that too. Um, those are fun, um, but you know, relatively new as far as you know. The, you know, when we're talking about nine years, it's a long time, and so what is you know interesting to me and is is you know what are some things that you know throughout your journey you think are essential for somebody on the journey to be able to, to do to for self-care?
0: Be very aware of your health situation. You need to manage your own care. You need to know your medications. You need to know what they're for. You need to take them appropriately. And you need to question them if you don't feel like they're doing their job or if the side effects are greater than the relief they're intended to provide. Very important. If you're not able to do that yourself, you need an advocate. You need someone who can keep track of that. I have, I'm an accountant, so I'm a very detailed person. And I log every day how I feel, what drugs I took. Um, I've always been a relatively healthy eater, I try to continue to eat healthy. Um, I have issues with weight loss. Um, The immunosuppressant drugs that they have me on increase my metabolism. So my heart rate's like at 120 when I'm sitting here talking to you. So it's like I'm going for a run while I'm talking to you. But my weight was mostly based on muscle mass. And throughout that initial chemo, radiation, and the transplant, I went from 120 pounds to 93. Over the course of the years, I've been able to get up to like 112, 115, but the the last two years with the pneumonia and everything, I'm back down to around 90, 93. So nutrition is extremely important. Even when you don't feel like eating, you've got to try to eat things that will supplement you properly. Um, You talked about juicing, I haven't gotten into that, but I try to pay attention to proteins. And because of my dry mouth and the intestinal things that I've had, um, when I take a bite of food, I have to have a drink. So I can get through half a meal and then I'm full. Mm. Because I've had this much water and this much food. So I have to eat like an infant about every four hours and if you get distracted and don't do that and your energy runs low um, that's detrimental Uh, trying to keep your sleep schedule but if you're on prednisone for inflammation Mm -hmm. you you can't sleep your body, I can lay down and rest I can lay in bed for four hours but my mind is changing the world I'm rearranging the furniture and moving things and buying stuff. Yes. You know, my head's always going. Um, Surround yourself with positive people. There are plenty of people that will support you. Um, I believe that your faith is extremely important. (laughs) How you feel about... Who is watching over you? And that if you're still here, you have a purpose. I, and I guess that's why I'm still here.
1: Yeah. Yes, I, so much wisdom there, and, and you know, one of the, I think the huge values of a conversation like this. So there's so many people that will hear this that are, in the beginning of their journey, and you know, we we just when we started. We didn't have a game plan, we just no. were yeah. able to bring a lot of stuff that we already had as far as the way we took care of ourselves health wise. Luckily we had all of those things already in, in line. So it was, you know, we were very, very big with nutrition, with supplementation, with what we you know, you know, with rest and with, you know, exercise and the things that I, I do to stay healthy surrounding myself with the right people like we did add the juicing in and i would highly recommend well paired here in town i would give you some but i just i go through 200 ounces no uh, i will check it out uh, (laughs) a week from there but i just just ended it last night so we have some i need to go get some more but they um well paired is a fantastic place especially if you're visiting you know and you're at the (laughs) clinic they're right downtown but um a great way to to get nutrition in your body um, we have we have a lot of things that you know we do. Faith is massively important because for me, that's been uh, uh, just a you know the foundation and grounding force that's made it made it you know um, I, I see because of that I see this as a gift. I see and I, I'm very you know specific when I when I say that because I understand. That can be offensive to some people because to me to me cancer has been a gift for for reasons um that um you know all the things we've mentioned that i've been able to see and and the things um, I, I've been involved with, with community and it's it's been there's been so many blessings in it now of course we are walking the tightrope we know that yes. time can be short and we know you know I have three three young ones Very they're, young children, yes. they're sick you know our five <clears throat> um, eight and nine right now so of course I'd like to to be here for that and know that you know we, we're not certain of tomorrow so there's um, so what I tried to focus on was staying healthy in the mm-hmm. ways that I could, exactly. And so that was, you know, with my mindset, the way I would, um, you know, would process things, the people I surround myself with, and the things that, you know, I'm involved in, and so all those things you mentioned have been things that that we have been able to step into, and and I know, um, like I said, I we didn't have a roadmap, you know, we just kind of, you know, we're we'll thrown on the highway. Yeah. Keep up. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> And so, again, the wisdom that you provide with nine years on this journey can help so many. And you help so many people already in all the things you do. But I, I've i noticed that and thought, there's a lot of things we've done that are have been successful for us. And I know everyone's cancer journey is different. different. But I love to hear what's worked for people because some of it may work for me, some may not. And um, I can look at it and hear, and sometimes I will get, you know, little tidbits I'm like ooh that that makes a lot of sense and I can implement that into our our game plan right and so that's you know one of the things you know in conversations here is that I I like to ask people what things have worked for them um what have been uh some of the can we explore maybe a little bit of some of the dark times is that something you're open um, to or
0: yes Can
1: pause oh absolutely yeah, I
0: yes. need to put some eye drops in
1: All right, we are back after a quick eye drop (laughs) break, and um, if uh, and so I asked about some of the dark times.
0: Um, Once I started treatment and had all this time where I was sequestered in a room, (coughs) excuse me (coughs) at St. Vincent's, (coughs) I was determined to find out why I got leukemia. It's not a genetic disease. It's not a contagious disease. It's not a tumor-based disease. (coughs) And as I (coughs) got into the research...
1: We can pause it any second, too, if you need to catch a moment. What I
0: discovered is that (coughs) (coughs) there was a highly disproportionate amount of people from eastern Montana... (coughs) that contracted AML compared to the total number of cases diagnosed in a year in the United States. Wow. Based on our population. And I can't recall those numbers right now. So then I was on a quest to find out what it is about our environment that's doing this. And I had two very close, two people very close to me who uh, also had AML Um, one about three years prior to the time I was diagnosed, who made it through his chemotherapy and went to Seattle for his transplant, contracted pneumonia, and passed away. He was a rancher, ate local beef, his own beef. The other was a young man, 21 years old, made it through his chemotherapy, went into remission, They decided he didn't need a stem cell transplant. Um, About a year later, he contracted viral pneumonia, and he passed away. He was actually in the room before me. I took over his room when I went in, 21 years old. His family owned a ranch. Uh, We bought 4-H beef from people everywhere. So then I was on a quest. Mm. OK, what are they feeding our cows around here? My oncologist's daughter was in agricultural studies at MSU at the time. And I relayed this information to her. And I said, do you think there's anything to this theory? Um, is it, could it be environmental? Um, and so she said she'd pass the information on. Nothing ever came of it. The other thing. I mean, I was just angry because I'm healthy. Why did this happen to me? My husband loves vodka, steak. I think the way he eats is horrible. (laughs) He's active, but I, you know, his constitution, his genetic makeup, he doesn't affect him at all. Um, So then I thought, well, what else? The only flu shot I ever had in my life was six months before they diagnosed me. My daughter is an RN and she was on us all the time about you've got to get a flu shot. You've got to get a flu shot. So I relinquished and said okay I'll get a flu shot. You know, just to make you happy Lacey. Is it possible that The introduction of that, whatever they put in it, to my immune system triggered something in my DNA and created a change. They don't know. They don't know what causes it. So I spent a lot of time, you know, just trying to track down the source. And then I finally realized that it doesn't matter. I mean, it might matter for somebody in the future if it's environmental and we can change it. Yes. You know? They they use bentonite as an emulsifier in cattle feed. Well, it could have some cancerous effects, but I don't know if it manifests in leukemia or not. But we've got three cases in one town Hmm. within three years, a town of 9,000 people. And there's 10,000 cases a year diagnosed, every in the United States. I believe that's a pretty high percentage. Yep. So my quest there was, it's not like I'm going to reverse it, but what can, we, what can we do to stop this exposure? Was it just something introduced to my immune system that, you know, did I get to a certain age in my immune system and said, "Oh,, well, let's do something different? Yeah. I don't know. You know? Yeah. So I finally gave that up and said, "You know, it doesn't matter. I, I just need to concentrate on getting past it. When I had my intestinal GVHD, I was on tube feeding. Um, They actually put me in the hospital and were about to do a colostomy on me because the surgeon was convinced that I had a ruptured bowel. And the oncologist kept calling from Denver saying, do not do surgery on this woman. Do not do surgery on this woman. It's graft versus host. I mean, he's he's literally prepping me for surgery and the oncologist is texting him in all caps, do not do surgery on this woman, you know. So I averted a colostomy. I did have my gallbladder removed. So that was I thought that was a good compromise. <laughs> I felt so good after that and had a great big lunch and life went on and I, I got past that. Um when I started having the osteonecrosis, you know. I didn't know if I'd ever really get back to running, but, you know, I thought I could ride a bike and do all that, and I ended up having to have a knee replacement, which I powered through, you know, I rehabbed, I did it, and I would do walking, and I got to be pretty fine with walking, it was really much more relaxing. I wasn't worried about how far I went and how many minutes, I just went out and walked. I looked at things and talked to people on the phone while I was doing it, you know. There was no deadline or anything like that. Sit down. Yes. Um, so we were doing that, going along. And then I'll be honest, the last two months have been extremely dark for me. Because when you can't breathe, you can't do anything. I have the coughing spasms that exhaust me. Um, I miss being at work and being with the people that I work with. I'm very, very fortunate in the whole course of this thing that what I do for my job I could do remotely on a computer and I had good support staff that would fill in the gaps and I can work from home. And and particularly now because we pared down how many businesses we're involved in. And I, I can work from home and I need to learn how to do that. But you know, there are times it's not like you're suicidal or clinically depressed, but you're thinking, I don't know if I can do this anymore. This is very hard. I'm really tired. But I will tell you, yesterday, I mean, it was, it, they diagnosed my pneumonia on December 17th, and I spent three weeks in a recliner or in my bed. Like I said earlier, much to the chagrin of my husband, I did not go to the hospital. Um, and I mean, you're just laying there thinking, I, I, I can't even go upstairs and get my eye drops. Somebody has to go up and down the stairs for me. I'm afraid to take a shower because I'm not sure I'm strong enough to stand up in there long enough. Um, But you sometimes think, I think I just want to step off a cliff. I just, you know, I'm tired. But the antibiotics are working. (laughs) The antibiotics that they give you are so strong that they make you sicker than the pneumonia does. So you have to get past all of that, you know. Mm -hmm. You can't eat, you get diarrhea, you you, you feel so weak. Um, But I woke up yesterday, I ate three meals. I could eat all the food I put on my plate. You know, I always fill my plate for how hungry I feel, and then I can eat about a third of it, you know. But I was able to eat three whole meals, and... I went up and down the stairs three or four times by myself. You know, not in succession, but throughout the day, you know. Um, my brother was there enthusiastically doing projects for me, you know. So I had someone around, and I, I just... It was a huge turning point for me, and I'm okay. I'm, I'm going to be okay. Yeah. I'm not going to jump off a cliff. Well,
1: yeah. <laughs> oh, I think... Thank you for sharing that because I think it's, you know, I'm a very positive person and I focus on, you know, keeping a really, you know, strong mindset. Um, But if I were not to ask that question to you, it would appear that everything is always just rosy and happy and because, you know, you have this amazing, you know, (laughs) it's amazing the way, you know, you, you handle this journey and it's inspiring. And I think it's even more so when people realize that there are some times that are are dark, but there's, you know, and hope. my
0: tendency is to not share those. I, I just soon you thought everything yeah. was okay. Yeah. Because I'm going to do this myself, and I need, I need to be able to tell people, I'm having a really hard time today. Could you do this for me?
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: And they're all over it.
1: Yes. Well, I think you know, I love the whole wake up, lace up, the way that you know you described you know how they came about and when you would walk and do those things then I really like to sit down and sit down and rest is a part of that because there comes a time where you had part of 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 taking control and being an advocate for yourself is knowing there's a time where I need to sit down and rest too and they kind of go together yes um and and that's something that I've I've started to discover more where I feel like okay I think now Okay, you I know. need to sit down. Yeah, I have, a, you know, I have a, a, a bike here right off to the side that I, I use, and there's days I don't because I've, you know, it's just a little different journey now where I feel like my body, I'm going, well, I don't want to you, tax it too much. You
0: start making choices about yeah. where you spend your energy.
1: Yeah. In, in,
0: do I take a shower today or do I yeah. eat breakfast? Yes. You know, it, it comes down to that sometimes.
1: Yes. yes. I'm going to
0: eat breakfast because nobody's smelling me anyway. <laughs> <laughs>
1: well maybe your husband so that's a good this is a good segue then to um, ask about him um so you know how one one thing i've noticed you know obviously from from walking this journey is it becomes the whole family's on the journey together yes so how is how has this journey been for your husband and
0: i think more difficult for him than me like a lot of men is a kind of person that wants to fix things. How do we fix this? Why aren't we fixing this? Why aren't you doing your job? Why is she not getting better? You know and to sit there and watch the havoc that gets wreaked on a person's body and their psyche as they're going through this and to not be able to do anything about it Sometimes there's some disconnect in order to protect your heart Um, on both sides, you know? Because some things are hard to talk about. And when you're the person who's ill, you don't think about how they're looking at it, you get frustrated. And when you're the person who's not ill, and you feel like there's nothing you can do that makes it better, you know, you get frustrated. And all of my children handle it differently based on their personalities. Um, But we're a strong family. I remember when, after I was diagnosed, my husband sent an email to the kids And he's not a person who writes mushy things or anything, but he, he sent it out said he always called them children of the corn. It was a joke. Children of the corn. It appears we've been dealt a shit hand. But we are stronger than wild owl poop, and your mother is going to make it through this. And together, we will be okay, you know, the gist of this email. I love it. And I still have a copy of it pinned to my son's bulletin board. He, he was a sophomore in high school. So I left, I, I left in April when he was a sophomore, and I was gone until December of his junior year he was he had three older sisters and he was the youngest and he would spend the weeks like monday through friday if kelly wasn't there by himself getting himself to school getting himself to practice figuring out how to eat figuring out how to accept food from people and entertaining their conversation when he <laughs> called me one time he said i wish they'd just drop it off the door and ring the doorbell <laughs> i don't want to talk to him You've got to talk to these people. (laughs) But it was quite truly one of the best things that happened to him, too. Because he learned how to become independent. He had always been coddled by three sisters, you know. um, Always looking out for him, always taking care of him. He learned how to do dishes. He learned how to do laundry. He learned how to get to where he needed to be on time get to where he needed to be when he needed to be there. Um, Kelly would run back and forth from Denver and make games or he'd stay for a week and take care of our, you know, in on the businesses. Um, it's, the dynamics are just quite amazing. Uh, my daughter who's a nurse of course is on me all the time. She's, You know, every minute, some of your lab results, right there all the time. Um, It's made us stronger, closer, but it's still a strain. You know, there's always a strain. Mm -hmm. And I think that's part of my lesson, too, is is to... let them know how I feel and let them feel how they feel and respond how they respond and be okay with it
1: I need to learn that one a little more to let them feel how they feel mm-hmm. sometimes you need to be I like I feel like Yeah,
0: yeah and, and they have no idea how you feel yeah. yeah. even if you know in your heart that I'm going to be okay they don't know that Yeah. they don't feel it Mm-hmm. They're looking at you going, You look like you're gonna die <laughs> yeah, you know. Yeah. And so that's why he was so upset when I wouldn't go to the hospital. I'm laying there in the recliner I can't move, but I'm not going to the hospital. Yeah. I'm okay, I know I'm gonna live through this. Yeah. But he's looking at me thinking, She might die here in this chair <laughs> You know. Are those and,
1: and are those conversations, um, and topics you know, death have you is it something you speak uh, about with your with your husband or your or your kids well
0: this is this is the closest I've ever felt to it and and I'm definitely ready to make those things known you know I mean they all know how I feel yeah but
1: well I asked because um the ins you know there was multiple inspirations for for this know project the time machine came from from something my my boy Gideon said that he would he asked me one night if if he um he asked if daddy's leave you know and I said well you know sometimes and I explained to him you know some scenarios and uh and um uh, because he asked me if mine did and so yes and he told me well dad I want to I'm going to build the time machine you know, that way I can if anything ever happens to you I can come back and see you whenever I want and uh so you know I I'm a storyteller so I ended up telling a story that had to had to do with that and um it kind of sat there as as a, a story that was very special to me and then a little later on in, in the journey I I had uh contacted a a, a patient that you know had had uh Three kids, and was going through the journey, and and we had one conversation on the phone, and, and in that conversation, you know, she you know she had mentioned that you know we were in a similar situation, having kids, and and um, so I asked about her husband, and how he was doing, and she was like, you know, he's done really great. I've passed some things on to him to do that way of you know her outlook wasn't wasn't good, and, and she's passed since, and she knew that was was coming. And so she said, you know, I pass on some things for him, you know, to do that way when I'm gone, like breakfast and getting the kids ready. And the so, routine. so the routines, knows. yeah. And, when, and, and one of the, you know, it came up was, you know, do you talk about that? And she goes, I'd like to, but, um, you know, he's not able to, to have that conversation. And, you know, really hit me how there might be some things that she really you know wanted to to say and things that he would want to hear but maybe couldn't at that moment and that maybe if he was just a fly on the wall he could he could receive it better yeah yeah if if in or if if it was you know preserved for him and um you know after that conversation I was it was uh actually led to a kind of a dark moment for me that um just really feeling you know her position, how lucky I was that I have a chance, and that yes. that she didn't. And um, I started to kind of have a, a, a little spiral, for you know, which is rare for me and only happened twice on this journey. But it was because I had empathy for her, and then I I allowed myself to go, oh, this is maybe my
0: maybe you,
1: maybe you should allow yourself to feel this way. And it was a short time, but I I stopped it, and I was like, no, I'm I'm not gonna spiral down here. It's not fair to my wife. It's not fair to my kids. And it does no good. Yeah. But out of that, I thought I would love to be able, because I told, told her, you know, we talked about journaling. And I said, well, I don't journal, but I tell stories. And so that's really my way of journaling. And so it's been helpful for me to, to be able to know that if, if, if my time is short, that my kids will be able to hear me as an adult talking as an adult so you know th- I can't tell them things at five years old that they, they need to be 15 or 20 to hear. hear right and so um so I thought she said well I can't do that I'm not a you know story-teller. And she had told me these wonderful stories on the on the on the phone and that's when really the concept for this came together I thought well if we can have these conversations like I was having on the phone with her that it could be you know her journey her cancer journey and and in those some thoughts in you know a time machine that you know um, her children and you know could could visit you know in the future and um we never got that opportunity Um, but that was the you know catalyst catalyst for for what we're doing now is and there's many levels of where i think it have value but that's one of them um because you know sometimes it's it's easier to to say those things um to the camera yeah Yes. 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 So I. Mean, I mean, pre- some
0: of the things I've shared here, I'm sure everyone's gonna go. Oh my God, I can't believe you've talked about that. But <laughs> it's. I I'm I'm not as good at speaking my heart, but I, can definitely write it. In fact, I just ordered a book that is called "Things You Need to Know When I'm Gone." Mm. And you know, I don't expect to be gone tomorrow. Yeah. But I'm gonna start filling it out. Yeah. You know, there's there's always the logistical things. You know, these are our bank account numbers and yes, the passwords and yes. all that. But there's other things. Yes, things you need to know. And if you can do that at all, in whatever form, whether it's in a blog or a video of yourself that you record that can be shared with your children or loved ones later, or mm-hmm. writing it down, mm-hmm. I, Caring Bridge saved my sanity while I was doing my chemotherapy and the whole process. Because I was able to relay to people what was going on and how I felt and tie it into, like, a life lesson. And then it relieved the burden from my family of having to explain to everybody, mm-hmm. how's your mom doing? Yes. So taxing. Yes. You know, I mean, what do they say? Yes. You know, every time you see them, how's your mom doing? Yes. I don't want to talk about it. Yes. You know? So, my daughter, who was the RN, set that up for me, and it took off, you know, it's like, you know, people have blogs, that was my blog, you know, and I did it for about four or five years, and I finally was getting better, and I'm thinking, I don't want to hear about me anymore, you know, Mm -hmm. so I quit, and, you know, did the, oh, yeah, everything's great, everything's great, you know, and you'd talk to people close to you, and you had issues, and... Then when I started getting into this lung thing, I thought, you know, I think I'll go back to my caring bridge and start Mm -hmm. sharing that way again. So people quit asking my kids and asking my husband. And my site had shut down uh, because it had been inactive and I had some trouble with trying to get it set up. So I I just put out a Facebook post. I, I don't do that. I don't really post anything on Facebook. I just look at everybody else's pictures. But I put one out that was kind of a summary of what was going on. And then I was kind of embarrassed, and I thought, you know, this is... I really don't like this kind of stuff. But the response I got from people was so uplifting to know that so many people were out there praying for me and thinking of me and offering help. And you've got to share that so that they can help you like I said we're denying people a gift if we don't allow them to show acts of kindness compassion service I mean those are gifts that people give to one another and you have to open up and let that happen you don't have to tell them everything but you do have to open up and let it happen
1: I think there's great wisdom in, in that.
0: So I'm I'm gonna go. I I am gonna get my Caring Bridge thing set back up. Yes. i I love to write. And
1: Caring Bridge <laughs> has been great for us. And Cassidy is the one that does the Caring Bridge. And you know it's great because it is kind of a journal mm-hmm. too. So if you as I looking back, I saved all mine.
0: I really I I would hope I want to write a book with it, my entries. Which is, or do some kind of thing. Yes.
1: Again. Well, you, I've had people ask, "Well, have you journaled?" And I'm like, "I don't." And I, I do mine through storytelling. <laughs> but I realized the caring bridge becomes it. And one of the practical things about the caring bridge mm-hmm. is, you know, people are so kind and they want to know. But they
0: don't when know they ask,
1: ask you, and if they, when they do, then you have to repeat the same story a exactly. hundred times that was a day. My whole goal. Yeah. I
0: don't want to tell this a hundred times, and my kids and my husband certainly don't want yeah. to. I don't want them to be burdened yes. with that. Yes. And my daughter set it up initially thinking that she would make the entries. I said, you know, I I feel okay. I can do that. I can sit here and type all day, you know? Yeah. I can do this. So it got to be I mean, we had a lot of fun with it. I had some great stories and you know, weird yes. things that happen, you know, yes. when you're stuck in a hospital and um <laughs> incorporated yes. scripture with it or some yeah. kind of life lesson and I I got to missing it I just got so busy after I started yes. feeling better and sit down
1: yes that's good that's really good um, yes Well, thank you so much you're welcome um, I, I appreciate this conversation there's so much wisdom and so much value in it um, you know are there any things that maybe um, you have thought would be beneficial to those that are on this journey that we haven't mentioned I think we cover quite a bit. I
0: truly believe you just find someone or be your own best advocate. Don't be afraid to question treatments. Um, But have faith in the people who are educated to do it. Uh, Surround yourself with positive people. Have faith... and don't get caught in the spiral
1: that's good i had um a friend that said also you know you know count the things you're grateful for oh every day and so um are there uh are some so what what she does she goes always know there's three you know i have at least three things you're grateful for so um the list is many but um could you give us maybe three things that you're grateful for Narrow it down out of the...
0: On a daily basis or oh, just, just overall? Just overall. No I got one? to see all my kids graduate from college. I got to see all my children get married. Mm-hmm. I got to see two of my grandchildren be born and enjoy it. The oldest is three and one second second one was born on my birthday. She will be one in March. So many things that... I didn't know if they were going to happen. Yeah, I didn't even know if I was going to make it to my son's graduation. Yeah, and
1: did you set goals for yourself, or like how long you would?
0: Not really. I just kept going. For me, I I didn't really see an end. I never really saw an end until recently. (laughs) Phrase that. Was
1: there? Was there? Did you ever do a negotiation kind in your head of going? Well, if I had this thought, yeah, I had this thought. I thought what would i do because when we first were when the diagnosis came you know i was told live in the present we're going to do some you know some more testing and and there was some things in 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 what we were looking at that also mirrored um somebody else that had a diagnosis similar and they were given you know months and so in my head we hadn't we didn't know but i knew i positioned myself when i sat down with with you know our oncologist that you know, in my mind, I was prepared for them to say, you have two months. And, um, you know, as we discussed it and, and you know, the treatment possibilities and the transplant and, and what could happen, you know, but the dangers of the transplant, um, nice. as we were discussing, you know, those things, you know, I had this thought of, you know, well, this could give me 20 years, but I mean, you know, I may die in that transplant and, and would I take because you know, would I take of, yeah would yes. I take two years guaranteed over or, the transplant now yes. and the chance of twenty and I had to think through that in my head or I didn't have to I just did and um, now that I'm coming up on two two years because there was questioning it again <laughs> yeah well there was a moment there that I was like I would take I mean I was really I was like I would take two years because in that time I could. I could speak with my kids, and I could yep. do certain things. Two years would give me, and that yeah. two, you know, I mean, it They're was gone. so fast. They're gone. That, you know, um, I'm a little bit of a, I'm a high-risk taker, so I'm sure I would have rolled the dice on the on the 20 years or more. But um, it was interesting, I guess. Um, I haven't talked, you know, with other, um, you know, others that are on the cancer journey about that, because there's been some mental kind of... Um, Avoidance well I would say more like uh, some games of not games but some some thoughts of going if this is my choice, would I take a guaranteed two years or are there a 50 50 chance at 20 or yeah. you know so um, it was interesting that um, I just have never shared that yeah. that I've had those kind of and conversations all, with myself
0: all the blood cancers are so different you know, and the immediacy of treatment is different based on your diagnosis. I really didn't have time to think about it. I mean, they had to cure the leukemia. Yeah. And once they cured the leukemia, it was a transplant or, you know, yeah. it's, it's just not going to go away. So we just busted through that. Um, but here I am, you yes. know, almost 10 years later. Yes. And uh, when they started talking about a lung transplant, I thought, you know, I'm 58 years old and a lung transplant's good for about five years. Do I take those lungs from somebody who's 22 and needs them? And then have a horrible five years after a lung transplant? I mean, really, there's an ethical question for me there. Or am I gonna Mm -hmm. be successful in the lung transplant and have five great years where I can breathe and go for a walk and not wear this thing and talk without coughing, you know, but a lung transplant's gonna hurt hmm. You know they <laughs> do it yes. like open-heart surgery. There's gonna be a lot more Physical pain involved with that. There was not a lot of physical pain Involved with leukemia. I mean there were some side effects and things but not real physical pain so that's a big question and you know, especially when I was not doing so well with a pneumonia. And, um, I thought, I, I don't know if I can do this. But like I said, today I feel like I can. Yeah. So we'll see what they say. Yes. And we'll see what more than one person says. Yes. And then we'll try to make a calculated judgment about what to do next.
1: Well, what I can say after hearing that is you know, the contemplating five more years. When I look at the nine years of of your that journey I have had. and what you've done and the amount of people you've impacted.
0: I if five, I were you I'd take the twenty.
1: <laughs> yes.
0: <laughs> I would. Yeah. Well well because you seem to have the same yeah. kind of tenacious mindset. Yeah.
1: Yes. I prepared myself that um you know each day could be my last. Um, and so I'm I'm okay with with that. You know, my hope is to be here to see my kids graduate, right. get married, all, those all of those things. I want to see all of that. Um, but I'm, you know, I am I'm very. Uh, you also um, have to be realistic. Yeah, and and I and I've I've you know come to terms really quickly on on that. It was not too hard for me to, you know, God is sovereign, and in, yes. in my days are are, you know, um, numbered according to when His he's will. Ready, right? So so what I what I focus on is the time I have to do the things and when that time you know,
0: comes you will be inspired yeah. you will know
1: yeah so I, I, I I'm a fighter I'm going to fight for every moment and, and I'm unashamed of that because um, I've.
0: we had the discussion about fight and I don't think there's anything yeah. wrong with yeah. it is a battle yeah my my hashtag is Wooloo Warrior
1: yeah, yeah. in the conversation I am, a, I am a
0: Spartan yes I have scars yes but I wield my sword and I will continue yes. to battle.
1: I love that. And, the, and, and f- for the listeners, the conversation we had was, you know, there was an article I'd seen that, you know, not to say fight, you know, is associated with cancer because it, it puts, it was, I think a Huffington Post article and it, it put, it, it described how it wasn't fair to do that to a cancer patient. Cause you know, what if, you know, if they died, is it their fault? They didn't fight hard enough or, or maybe they didn't choose it. And, and I,
0: Every fight has a winner and a loser. Yeah. doesn't make it wrong to fight.
1: Yes. and and that's why in that conversation I had with you know um, with Jill was her name that um, where I spiraled, I had put that, we were talking about that article. That's how I connected with her. because I saw this article. I saw people posting on it, and it was for the first time for me, that I realized that there are people in you know on this journey that are offended when you say fight and I was unaware of it and I had been when we go to our infusions we call it fight week mm-hmm. and we started recreating a walkout fight yep. every single time <laughs> and we embraced that and so I really felt for her knowing what made me spiral was think she doesn't no matter how hard, how, how hard she fights you know she she knew difference. that her time was short that there mm-hmm. was she said there will be a cure for this but not in my lifetime and so I felt that, and then I felt for the people that were offended, and I started to kind of spiral a little bit, and, and that's when I realized, no, I've, you know God made me a fighter, and everyone has their own journey and how they approach it. Um, some people, I think, even thinking about fighting can be detrimental to them because maybe their makeup, they need to sit down and rest, and to me... Um, You know, that's just how I'm made up. So I've come to grips with with that and I'm a fighter and I'm going to fight and and for every moment I have, because, you know, that's how I'm wired and I want to be here, you know, for every moment I have with my kids. And whether it's two weeks, you know, two months, two years, 20 years, you know, I'm I'm going to live those the same. I don't I'm not going to have. I'm not going to waste time um, in fear and anxiety and worry. Right because how tragic if you have two weeks left and you spend spend it it. that way but even more tragic what if i have 20 and i spend it in fear worry and anxiety so i've i've made that decision that i'm going to embrace this and and um and we're going to just fight and we're going to go through it and you know life is a gift every moment's a gift i don't deserve what i have i don't deserve my wife my kids it's a beautiful life and i'm i'm i embrace every moment and i'm going to continue to fight and I want you to know that you are a warrior, you're a fighter, and I'm so inspired by you, and so inspired by Wake Up, Lace Up, and all the people you've helped, including my family. So I'd love to partner and fight together in any way we can, because the impact that you've had on people, including us, has been huge. And so there's many reasons why you're here, but I know that's one of them, because, you know, no, you don't have a roadmap, but then you have Rosa and then Cindy that have come and said, "Hey, this is hard. We can help. Let's do this and help these people." You know, so you are a Spartan warrior. Well, thank you. Yes.
0: I think I think the key is to find the balance between fighting and sitting down and embrace both. Yes.
1: Sometimes you have to sit and rest so you can fight again. Exactly. And I had to learn that.
0: Yes. You, and the other thing that's constantly being beaten into my head is that I'm really not in charge I can do whatever I think I can do but I'm really not in charge
1: yeah. it's a very freeing moment yes it is when I had that moment where I realized that then it just it, it took a big burden off my shoulders uh, and I realized okay I'm not in charge what can I do that's in my control exactly. and what can I contribute yes. to this world to my wife to my family to my friends to my neighbors and you know what can I contribute while I'm here You know, what, what is, you know, what, what is my verse to contribute? Yeah. So, well, thank you so much for coming. Is there anything else you feel like you'd like to? I
0: feel like we've bared our souls. (laughs) Okay. Well, thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome. I can't tell you how much we appreciate this. Any, any word we can get out to folks to let them know what we do and how we can help them. And if they can help us in any way, too.
1: And that date again is March March
0: 7th 7th of 2020 in Miles City at the Town and Country Club
1: excellent well cindy thank you so much for coming on love you and i'm excited for the event and with that we'll uh, we we'll end
0: it thank you you bet